What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Spartan Red Zone podcast right here in the studios at Impact 89 FM on the campus of Michigan State University. I'm Zach Sadek, alongside my co-hosts here, Liam Jackson, Zach Slowick, and Cam McLaren. We're back here for another week breaking down all things Michigan State football and college football as a whole. So, boys, we got to jump right into the elephant in the room, or I guess the husky in the room. It was a rough one for Michigan State out west in Seattle. The streak continues. The last time Michigan State won a road game against the Pac-12 was in 1957. And that streak will continue to go on and may continue forever if the Pac-12 doesn't stay a thing. But we'll get to that point later. So let's recap this game. I'm going to give a quick rundown, I guess, and then we'll go into a little bit of takeaways for each of us. So my quick rundown for this game was Peyton Thorne looked good. Keon Coleman was good. That's about it. Um, Michigan State got embarrassed off the ball, off the jump. Uh, Michael Penix did whatever he wanted to and has really gotten to a new level this season with Washington. He's going to be a force to watch in the Pac-12. I was talking before the podcast. I'll give you guys my take on Washington at the end of this segment, but yeah, that was about it that I had. Liam? Yeah, just, you know, we, we talked about it uh, last week. We were worried about um, Michigan State's ability to, to hold up in the secondary, um, and that was that was obviously an issue. Michael Penix, like you said, looked great. The receivers were open all day, and uh, they went out, they got out to an early lead and, and, and kind of just controlled the game from there. But what, what worried me the most was we also brought up the fact that Going to the game, Berger and Broussard had about 58 combined carries and hadn't lost a yard. <laughs> that didn't yeah. last. The offensive line didn't play uh, great. And um, Portland State, the team that Washington played before, Michigan State, uh, nearly doubled, Mich- nearly doubled, had doubled the amount of uh, production running the ball that Michigan State did, and that's not something you want to see. So um, Berger and Broussard, I still think a lot of promise there, but it's just... I don't know. It just was it was a, it was a very disappointing effort from pretty much the entire team except Thorne and and uh, Keon. But at least I will say I will you, say this: you need to address him as Neon Keon. That is true. I will say this though: even though they went down, they did claw back somewhat. I mean, I, I'm Washington won the game and they controlled the game throughout, but it did seem like the players weren't giving up. At least things uh, got interesting uh, for just a little bit. Uh, Sloak and I were on the call a bit, and there was a chance where if Michigan State was able to convert on a couple of third downs, they could have scored and made it a three-point game with two and a half minutes left. Yeah, I mean, they... they Thorne, who a lot of people, including most of us, were very concerned with after the first two weeks, um, just didn't really seem to be in the same category that he kind of built for himself and he put himself in last year. Looked very similar to how he looked last year. Looked very confident, was making smart throws. Um, the one interception, which was very similar to the interception earlier in the year where he's heavily pressured. He has to evade a sack, roll to the left, throw with his shoulders open, um, just is unable to put the ball where he wants it. But that's not really on him because a lot of the game he was taking the snap and the next thing you know there was – purple jerseys in his face. Uh, defense looked bad just about everywhere. 
um, zero turnovers, and the inability to get off the field on third and fourth down was very, very bad, whether it was leaving open huge running lanes or what happened most of the night playing so far off. Uh, I still don't understand how on a fourth and five, uh, every single one of your corners except for Amir Speed, is 10 yards off the ball, and Amir Speed is 5 yards off the ball. So when they're trying to get 5 yards, it doesn't really make sense to stand farther than that amount of yards away from the first down. Um, Running backs didn't look good, but again, I think that kind of goes more on the offensive line, but kind of like what Liam said, Thorne and Keon Coleman made made the score look a lot closer than it actually was. That's all I I have to say about that game. Cam? I, I'm over it. To me, it was just that first half was defeating, to say the least. Washington goes down immediately. I'm pretty sure it goes down, gets a seven. It's what happens sometimes whenever you defer the toss. Then Michigan State can't get anything going. Then all of a sudden the defense steps, steps up when you need them to. Big fourth down conversion, right? Or a big fourth down stop. Stops it right at the one because Washington, for some reason, when you got a guy in Michael Penix, decides to hand the ball off or not even attempt to pass on any of those four downs. And Michigan State just eats them up at the line. That's what you want your defense to do. It's a huge stop. It's a huge momentum boost. Next play, safety. Yeah, slipping in the end zone is not ever an ideal situation. No. And then a few, I think it was another drive after that was big fourth down stop for Michigan State. And next play, thrown or Thorne throws that interception. And to me, that just really solidified. There was really, it was almost like the team was shell-shocked. I mean, you take a look, you're twenty. You're down 29-8 going into halftime. You get that one touchdown late in the second quarter. They looked shell-shocked completely. It was just like, that's what happens when you have a team that's missing your big captains in Snow and Henderson. And, and Reed was also and, caught. But not even that. That's just on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Like you're when you're bewildered like that, you want your defense to kind of step up and make those plays if the offense isn't going to do that. And the offense just looked like there was really nothing going on because as you said, there's no forward momentum on the front line. They had forty two rushing yards in the entire game. You're not going to win football games with forty two yards on the ground. That's just not going to happen. Unless you're army and you can win with zero yards through the air. But we'll get to them later. That's why I was saying ru- running the ball, they threw it was they ran forty two yards. Could be, you could th- be Houston with Case Keenum and then you can do whatever because he would just throw for seven hundred yards a game. But that's the exception. Point understood. You're not gonna win big ten games like that, I should say. Fair and accurate. But I think there were three points real quick that I had that chain that I've noticed as turning points in the game, and then we'll get to your spot, Liam. But I think that the Roughing the passer penalty on Ben Van Sumeren was a big, big call. Um, it set the tone for another scoring drive for Washington. The safety coming off of the uh, stop that you talked about. And then after Michigan State scored to make it 20-8, to or 22-8 to in that first half, giving up the touchdown right after that, there was a minute left when Washington got the ball, a minute 29. And Michael Penix drove right down the field through a touchdown. And converted on a third down in that drive. Yes, that he destroyed them. Michigan State. He destroyed the secondary on that drive. Michael Penix is him, him, himothy. All right, Liam. I was just gonna say, um, like you said, they looked shell shocked. I think that's a pretty good word to use. And this is—it's just really surprising 
to me, well, it was really surprising to me watching that game. Just uh, the last two years, other than I, the, um, I would say the Ohio State game last year, this is a team that really um, prided itself um, with this culture and um, of just being the tougher team, being the team that doesn't flinch. And it looked like it was it was like they came out and they looked like uh, Washington looked like the better coach team, the more prepared team. And they were at home there, and it was a pretty uh, good atmosphere in Seattle. Um, and so I, I don't think that this is like crazy cause for concern at all. And I think that I think that Tucker is um, deserved all the credit that he's gotten so far. And he even said it himself. He was uh, he said he put a lot of blame on himself. And I think that this is a team that's gonna um, like under Tucker and under this coaching staff is gonna be mentally strong and bounce back. I was just surprised that uh, Washington. I was impressed with their coaching staff. I was impressed with their players. Um, they came out and they were not scared at all. They knew uh, exactly what they wanted to do, and, and uh, they were really surgical with their game plan, especially early on. So I thought that was really impressive uh, for Washington. I think Kellen DeBoer's team wins 10 games and competes for the Pac-12 title. That was my take on them. I couldn't agree more. I think they probably make it to that, that Pac-12 title game. Their offensive um, line is legit, too. They are, yeah. and they weren't even with Jackson Kirkland, who is their yeah. Yeah. returning two-time All-Pac-12 left tackle. Which, and I was thinking about that during the call. I was like, man, they're missing their, their backside tackle. And then you remember that Michael Panix is not right-handed. No, he's not. And so also, that's his front side, but that's still a All-Pac-12 very, very good offensive lineman and, that you're missing. That's probably going to be playing on Sundays. And Penix has yet to be sacked this season. Michigan State entered leading the country in sacks and forced fumbles. Did not get a single sack. Didn't get a single turnover. Only got one pressure. And not just not a great game for them overall. But I think we're all ready to... Stop being sad and have Move fun. on to the next one. So, Woo! the SRZ Portolito Offensive Player of the Week. Sorry, you said stop being sad. Need to take a second and be sad for Toledo because that was just... They put up 21. They gave up 77. They put up 21. They gave up 77. Toledo's balling. But most Toledo fans are also Ohio State fans, so it wasn't that bad. And Toledo's going to catch the dub statement. this weekend. I don't know about that. We'll see. But um, All right, so our poor Toledo Offensive Player of the Week. We'll start with Cam. I kind of teased it earlier, Cam. What do you got? For me... It's the 1965 offense that comes anytime you play the Army Black Knights. 55 total carries for the team for 472 yards as they smoked Villanova and put up six touchdowns in the process. Just for quick reference, they threw one pass. It was incomplete. How many Villanova like fans and students had any idea there was a football game going on is uh, my question. No offense to Villanova. I love Villanova. Great basketball school. But not a football school. Uh, I say 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Let me see if I can find a video. I was going to say, what's the section. smallest Mac? Divide that by 100. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably where you're at. <laughs> All right, Slug. I am going to go with Jalen Polk for my poor Toledo Offensive Player of the Week. Only six catches, but with those six catches... Three of them were touchdowns, and he also added on 153 yards. That's an Amon Ra St. Brown if you add on two more receptions sort of game. Uh, So that is my poor Toledo Offensive Player of the Week. You'll notice three of the four of us went with 
picks from that Michigan State-Washington game that we said we were done talking about. But Yeah, we're anyways. not done. We're never done. Liam? Yeah, we've talked about him a lot, but I think he deserves it. Uh, Michael Penix was my offensive player of the week. Um, so he, uh, like we said, like four, 400 yards, 397 yards, four touchdowns. He also... Um, like we said, the timely the timeliness of the of these throws that he was making, um, just real daggers. Uh, he was just throwing right into that Michigan State defense. Thought they could get off, they might be able to get off the field. Uh, Michael Penix stood there untouched, like he had has been all se- all season so far, and was just uh, finding his receivers. So, yeah, Michael Penix deserves all the the credit in the world. He's uh, one of the better quarterbacks in the country. Um, him and Caleb Williams, probably the two best quarterbacks. I don't think Bonex played well too, but he's probably uh, one of the two best quarterbacks in the Pac-12. So very impressive. Yeah, I heard in the country for a second, and then you said he and Bo Nix, and I <laughs> thought you were saying that they were the top two quarterbacks in the country this year. And no, I was no, going to no, be no. like, wait a second. Trust me, I would no, never. No, the, pa- the Pac-12 had a pretty nice week last week. So they they did. It's, Oregon, it's Oregon quite remembered. The change of pace. Oregon remembered how to play football, um, and got a big win over BYU. Rest in peace to. BYU's playoff hopes. All right, mine was another player from that game that impressed me. Didn't really have a ridiculous stat line, but had a really, really good game, and that was Keon Coleman. Taking over without Jaden Reed, made some phenomenal catches, also because he posted on Twitter a picture that looked super sweet of him in the end zone with the defender standing there with his helmet off and the ref holding a touchdown. And then you realize that that was called for offensive pass interference and it went back 15 yards, but... The photo was sick, so shout out Neon Keon Coleman. When he's playing on Sundays and we look back at his time at Michigan State, we won't remember what exactly happened during that play, but we'll see. That's a good I don't know that I'll ever forget that play. You know who will remember that? Elijah Collins, because he ended up rushing the ball in on that drive. Yes, he did. Elijah Collins has been playing well. I saw him today at Comarts. Yes, I was with you. Yes, we did. (laughs) We were having some fun in our Jern 403 class. Yeah. All right, um, now let's move on. It was a high-scoring game, so... And a lot of high-scoring games this week. So, we're just going to move right to the Joey Ellis Memorial Powerhouse Frame Unit of the Week. No defense. Sorry, guys. Sorry, defensive players. Defense, and it also translated to Sunday. Every NFL player seemed to have a career day. Uh, Stefan Diggs put up nearly 50 fantasy points. So, Amon Ross St. Brown put up 45 yeah, poor Sloak just got yeah, destroyed by So, Cam. I don't know uh, any of you listeners how many play f- fantasy football or are in a full PPR league. We are a full PPR league, two wide receivers, two running backs, how two many flex, and one tight end. It's a 10-team league, so it's it's not a huge, it's not a 12, it's not a 14, it's not the 20-man league we had last year. Mickey Mouse. Yeah, that was brutal. Team. Yeah, it's 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 not a, it's not it's a, it's an Bush average league. it's an average size League below average, Be- uh, <laughs> below average size league. It's not really though, and I put up. Yeah, it is. I put up a hundred and fifty-five points. I had the second most points in the or third most points in the league, and I lost by sixty. I can't wait till we uh, this sports studio is all the way set up so I could play the world's smallest violin for you right there. So just pretend that that is what's going on. I love it. Says the guy who all he does is talk trash about fantasy football, and then come a Sunday, he's just constantly checking his phone, wondering how his fantasy team is doing. And they says, are, they're says, 2-0. Says the fact that 
Every Detroit fan thinks the Lions are going to win the division and win the Super Bowl this year. I'm so sorry for all of you. You get tune in on the Green and White Report, and we'll talk about it. You get delusional after one game. I feel really bad for you guys because that's the only hope that you've ever had in your life. And I'm so sorry. Wait to see how delusional I get after they beat Minnesota this week. Oh, and they might by forty. They might. (laughs) But all right, back to this. Um, I don't even know where we're at anymore. <laughs> I'm so off track. Joe Burrow's memorial. Yeah, who went already? Nobody. Nobody, Nobody. okay. <laughs> uh, actually, I guess it's me first on the dock. I'm going to go with the App State Hail Mary. Uh, that was a lot of fun to watch, and it looks like nobody else took it. So also shout out to Chase Bryce helping the students storm the field to make sure that people didn't get hurt. Um, and just a crazy game. I know somebody that had a parlay that solely like they went super high favorites 23 leg parlay and whatever and they almost lost it because they had app state money line and so uh yeah shout out to aiden what and what a power move throwing a hail mary not even going to celebrate just running over the student section and and helping uh your fellow classmates out of the stand so they can come rush the field and humiliate your opponent i can't believe they go um at this point in the year, if you would have told me that App State would be one of the most talked about teams in the country through three I weeks. believe it. App State's electric. Oh, the problem is they, they choked that game against UNC. Otherwise, uh, they'd be ranked and everybody would be talking about that. If, the they would have beat, would be. if they would have beat UNC and are sitting 3-0 and with wins over UNC, Troy, and Texas Why A&M. Why Troy before <laughs> Texas A&M? <laughs> I wanted to save Texas A&M for last. Okay. But I'll go into my Joey Ellis Memorial Powerhouse unit of the week, and that's going to be Bo Nix and the Ducks. It seems like every time uh, one of us slanders a quarterback uh, on here, a couple weeks ago it was Cam in Cam Ewers. And he, I gave him his apology. He was phenomenal. He needs another one. No, he doesn't. And then I said, I talked about how my buddy Liam Jackson got me to not like Bo Nix anymore, and Bo Nix comes out and dices Brigham Young and takes Oof. them to a 41-20 to victory. Yo, you guys need to see the facial expressions. The cameras are going to be so nice in here. Slowick's face. So I will say it. Ridiculous. I, I, I used to say it before. Um, go Ducks. Oof. Liam. Uh, I'm going to my uh, powerhouse unit of the week, basketball blue bloods. Um, we have poor Michigan State. <laughs> yeah. Tough. But – We'll just pretend like Michigan State <laughs> doesn't exist for a second. Uh, Duke and Kansas playing next week, both 3-0. and This is going to be a game. Um, actually, this is a the Champions Classic. They play in the Champions Classic, correct? You best believe that that game is on the pick Just yeah. saying. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Can't it later, tempt. but you got this is a, a Champions Classic preview uh, on the gridiron. So shout out to them. Uh, Kansas being good at football is a lot of fun. So I'm... Uh, I'm a big Jayhawk football fan. I couldn't really care about their basketball team, but go fo- go Kansas Jayhawk football. Also, uh, Duke right. happened to win this week, so there's another one for the... Oh, the you Lenova just said lost. Duke. Where's UNC? Can't find UNC. All right, anyways. UNC, UNC is also... UNC didn't play, that's why. Villanova yeah. got eviscerated. Fun, yeah. fun fact, well, talking, going to Kansas real quick, Josh Jackson... That's a name right That's there. That's a name. Who He did play for the Pistons at one point. Uh, He's on the Kings now. He, yes. That's a good password name. So he was from the same area as me, 
and he played at my high school for a district basketball championship, and he threw the ball off the backboard to himself, caught it, dunked, and broke the rim. Didn't break the backboard, but broke the rim, and there was a 45-minute delay in the game because he decided to yam. He did that in-game? Off the backboard to himself? Yes. That's Cheat code. Did so they, therefore, they go Jayhawks. Yeah, by like 40. Yeah, that's just a power move right there. All right, lastly, Cam. Speaking of power moves, my frame of the week just has to be the Penn State Nittany Lions just rolling into Jordan Hare and completely just killing any hopes that the Auburn Tigers and their fans had of you know possibly making a run in the SEC or in the playoff. So good for them. Jordan Hare is a tough place to play unless you're a Big Ten team, I would say. They're, well, I mean, Big Ten teams are undefeated at Jordan-Hare Stadium ever because that was the first time they've ever been there. But the question is, was there ever really hope that Auburn was going to win the SEC? <laughs> Never. Never. Uh, okay. Bo Nix might have had some. <laughs> ah. But All hey, right. Jordan-Hare is a mysterious place. It is. Some weird stuff happens there, especially if you're Alabama. Mm. Especially if you're an Auburn running back's kneecaps. Ooh. All right, anyways. Yikes. um. Now we're moving on to this week in the Big Ten, and you talked about a Champions Classic preview. Starting off the Big Ten football week, we have a rematch of an NCAA tournament game that was a really good game and a popular upset pick, but now it's on the gridiron. The Chattanooga Mocs taking on Illinois, the Fighting Illini. That game is will have already happened by the time this podcast comes out. We're recording this on Wednesday night. You are listening to this whenever you're listening to it, but it comes out on Friday. So... Then Saturday, we move into Central Michigan at Penn State. Fire up chips forever chips and always. Chips are looking good. <laughs> no, they're not. Down as 28-point underdogs. Uh, the chips got someone fired. At that was Eastern. E- wrong direction. Yeah. <laughs> wrong Mac school. I take everything back. The chips are not looking good. <laughs> the chips lost by 30 to South Alabama. All right. Um, my, my brother goes to Central Michigan. Don't but fire up. <laughs> um, Minnesota at Michigan State, we know. Maryland at Michigan. Um, that's yeah. going to be a brutal game. But wait a second. Hold on. A little Tua. Wait. It's, it's, it's. Right-handed it's, Tua. It's going to be in September, guys. Ooh. I still. Maryland <laughs> backdoor cover 17. I don't, I don't, wa- I don't really even want to get my hopes up. September, Maryland is the best football team in the country. Anyways, next. Indiana at Cincinnati. Could be a decent game there. Indiana is somehow 3-0 escaping against Western yeah. Kentucky Cincinnati's last week. Cincinnati's favored by like 20. 16 and Iowa <laughs> and Rutgers has the lowest over-under total of any FBS game in the last six years. And it's still going to hit the under. Yeah. <laughs> what the is over-under it? is 34 and a half. And oh, Iowa's God. favored by seven and a half. They're not winning by a touchdown. They're winning seven nothing. <laughs> so Iowa and Rutgers. Rutgers has actually been playing well this year. I, I actually like the Scott Lights in that game, especially at SHI Stadium in Piscataway, New Jersey. Oh, yeah. uh, the Tough birthplace place. of college football. If you go there, it will be on every sign. The big game in the Big Ten that most people are talking about, Wisconsin at Ohio State. I'm sorry, Wisconsin's going to lose by 1,000. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's, a uh, it's a very boring week in the Big Ten. If that's, but the real if game that's the is, the real headliners. The quest, question, yes. will Wisconsin put up as many points as Toledo did on Ohio State? No, but Ohio State won't put up 77 on Wisconsin. Um, Fair. All right. Sorry, the real two headliners, though, obviously. Miami of Ohio at Northwestern. Go Red Hawks. I'm not a big and fan of their Florida alumni, Atlantic. Go Red Hawks. Florida Atlantic at Purdue. So a lot of, like you said, FIA. Rough one, one more week. What? What? <laughs> FAU. 
<laughs> one more week until conference play. So, well, a lot for, of these games are conference, for, but yeah, for, for everybody, yeah, full on conference. Play. All right, so let's jump into this quick preview. I'm gonna just rattle off a list of topics, and then you guys can sound off on whichever ones you guys want to talk about. Um, but we'll do that, and then we will get to our pick'em. So, first, actually, I'll ask you guys this first, and then we'll go into the r- list of topics. <laughs> Is this a must-win game for Michigan State? Yes. 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 All right, next question. So, can I just say why yes, I think yes, this? Yes. Just I don't even need to. I don't looking at the rest of Michigan State's schedule. They um they play I don't know if they play four other teams with quarterbacks that um how do I say this? They they're going to play uh Stroud, McCarthy, uh two or Talia, Talia, little two. Talia um it's Sean Clifford at the end of the year who's been playing well. So I think that this is a game and uh, Tanner Morgan loses his, his uh, number one target, uh, Chris Altman Bell. I think this is a game that they are they have the um, the quarterback advantage, and I think that this is a game where the secondary can find a little bit of uh, – um, a little maybe maybe bounce back a little bit, find a little bit more confidence. So I think that this is, uh, this is a very, very, very big game early on in the season. So the – Next question I was going to ask, I'm going to touch on a couple different things. You mentioned a few of them, so I'll just list off these and we can decide where we go. How does the defense respond? Is there a running game? I just put running game dot 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 question mark because it was non-existent as we talked about last week. Mo Ibrahim is a dog, by the way. 100% a dog. They would have beat Ohio State last year if Mo Ibrahim didn't get hurt. That's my hot take. And I don't even know that it's that hot of a take. I think it's that hot. They, they were, were playing they really, 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 really well. nice in that game. And then Ibrahim went down. He's really good. Does Fleck decide to actually attack the secondary? That's yeah. that's my question. I don't know that he will. I, I think he's very I, much a, well, we're going to hand the ball off. I'll tell you what. I think he'll, I don't think he's going to take shots the way, or I don't think he'll call for the shots um, like Washington called for him because he doesn't have a quarterback as good as Michael Penix to throw the ball all the way downfield. But I do think... He will call thirty-five checkdown passes in that oh, game. Oh yeah, you might see some dink and, and dunk. Type and I, stuff. I don't know if you consider that attacking the secondary. I do because normally I don't think Minnesota probably doesn't run the ball over or doesn't throw the ball more than twenty-five times a game. And this is a game that I think they could be throwing the ball maybe forty times. There's a chance for some serious yak. Yeah. Some serious yak. Well, and same thing for Michigan State. Coach Tucker said it last year. He loves yak. Yak is good. That's a well, quote from in, him directly. In the three games this season for Minnesota, now, with this being said, he hasn't played in all of them, but Tanner Morgan ha- only has 53 pass attempts. Yeah, so I but, think he could throw 40 this week. Yeah, but there's also the fact that theoretically this game's going to be closer than the last games for Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota this year... In their three games, thirty-eight nothing over New Mexico State, sixty-two to ten over Western Illinois, and forty-nine to seven over Colorado. So they haven't really they haven't played anybody. They good. haven't seen a they haven't seen a real one. And Colorado's then for, in for a bad the place, Colorado is just in a bad place. Yeah, I yeah, saw a sign that said, "We want Coach Tucker back." It's a beautiful area, though. Yeah, it it's is. gorgeous. Boulder. Um, I am gonna touch on the run game really quick, and yep. then. I think they would. They're gonna look better. I do, and this. I don't know if this is a hot take or if I don't know how everyone else feels about this. 
but I think Elijah Collins might start to see a little bit more action. I think so too. I think um, he's earned it, to be honest. Yeah, I I think he comes in, he never complains. It doesn't matter what the score is, he's going to come in and run as hard as he can and he can find his way into the end zone. He's see, he's had carries in two games. He has two touchdowns. One of them was Michigan State was blowing out Akron. The other one, Michigan State was getting destroyed by Washington. And both games, he found himself in the end zone. Now, I'm saying I'm not saying that if it's a 24-7 game and Michigan State's down, he's going to be getting carries. Um, but if it comes to a point where maybe it's a tie game, maybe Michigan State's up a little bit, maybe they're down a little bit in the middle of the game, and I think you see more of the three-headed backfield rather than just the burger Broussard combo. I think it's rare nowadays in college football to have a player like Eli Collins on your team who um, just two or three years ago was a f- the feature back, really, and had a lot of hype around him. Gets hurt. Kenneth Walker comes in, obviously uh, takes all those carries. But he's stuck around. He's been, he was a special teams captain uh, once this year. Um, he doesn't seem to ever complain. Um, even when he's uh, t- talking to the media, he's always um, just giving credit to all of his teammates, even in the running back room. And he just seems to have a great attitude, and he runs super hard. So I think that um, uh, I think he's earned some more carries this week. And it just from I mean, having a two second conversation with him in Comart Science, or just walking past him, he you can tell he has just from like his freshman year to now, even his sophomore year, he has put the work in in the weight room. He he looks like almost double the size he did when he was the feature back his freshman year. And from the games, it doesn't look like he's lost any speed. Yeah, no, he's been very impressive. And I, uh, I will label myself an Eli Collins fan. Definitely. All right, let's get a quick key to the game from everybody, and then we'll jump into the pick'em. Liam. Sounds good. Um, get off the field on third down. Big one. That's such a good one. Slowick. Uh, don't make mistakes. I that's a that's a really bad way of wow. saying it. Don't don't force don't force stuff that's not there. So don't throw interceptions. Don't be going down and try to fight for extra yards and lose the ball. Like just. I would say protect the ball and be smart is, it, is what uh, I want to say. Your key to the game is score more points than the other team. Is that is that the key to the yeah, game? Yeah, so when you go up and <laughs> you grab the coach. ball off the backboard, that's a rebound, and yes, they have more is. of those than us. No. Top-tier th- press conference quote of all time. We, just need, we need the drops back. We just need to play that next time. Yes. Um, no, I, uh, I, I'm going to change from my very <laughs> vague uh, topic to protect the ball and make smart choices, like a mom would say. All right, Cam. Go for over 150 on the ground. You're going to need it. You need confidence boost in your running back room. You need Thorne to be able to step up and play action, make some big throws. This is going to be a game where nobody's going to go over 400 yards on total offense, I'm pretty sure. So this is going to be, I I believe, you know, a, a, a guy can only hope, okay? <laughs> I'm looking for a great... Yards to the moon. Yeah, Yards Zach moon. and I are both sitting here pointing up in the air like there's going to be over a 1,000. Yeah, who... Honestly, I don't really care at this point. My betting streak is terrible, so but you do need your running backs to go over 150 combined. We're all 2-8 and eight in the pick'em besides Liam, so I think we're all awful at our picks. But 
Anyways, my key to the game, I would say that I agree that there's going to be, you need to get the run game established, but I think it's score early. You don't want to fall behind in the game. You want to, if you get the ball first, you want to go down and put points on the board. Get in front, allow yourself to get a little bit of a cushion. Don't play catch up the entire game because that can only work so well and it can only work so often. But, all right, let's move into the pick em. I mentioned we all suck except for Liam, who is five and five. The rest of us are two and eight on the season. We're going to try and go on redemption this week. We've got some fun games. Also, unfortunately, we were vetoed and did not put a Fun Belt Supremacy game on there, which is kind of wild to me because Fun Belt all the way. James Madison is going to beat App State this week. You heard it here first. Go Dukes. All right, now on to the actual pick em. Florida at Tennessee, first game. Minus 10.5 for the Volunteers. And let's go to the middle this time. Started with Slowick. Man, I knew you were going to start with me. Uh, I'm going to... I'm I'm gonna take the Vols. I think they're gonna win, and I think they're gonna win pretty big. I think they're a pretty good football team. Um, I'm also just not sold on Florida. I I was in on Florida. I even did the little Gator chop, and then right after they seem to lose, and it seems that every team I pick to win ends up losing. So a ten ten and a half is a lot of points, but I'm still gonna take the balls. Fade Slowick, everybody. Let's go Gators. <laughs> no, um in in real time though, I don't I'm not as high on Tennessee as I'm not some high other on either are. team. I don't know why this I'm gonna the take line is Florida that far. in the minus ten and a half. Well, I know what Liam's gonna do because he loves what Florida's think? quarterback. What, what do you think I'm gonna do? So you think I'm going to take Florida? Yeah. Fade, 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 fade. fade. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, fade me and go with Tennessee. I don't care. I kind of want to now just to say that you were wrong, but I'm going to take Florida. Yeah, I, I told you. I And I was going to say because I think Anthony Richardson is <laughs> he's, he's definitely struggled a little bit. It's almost like you guys live together. Yeah. I saw what he did against Utah. I think that he's he has it in him. Until he wanted to fade me so I, bad, but he knew everything I said that he was going to say he wanted to say. I think that he can – lose a game by seven so, <laughs> cam are we are we splitting it or are you coming to join us on the florida side oh florida side they still lose this game but not by not by 10 now i'm scared because every time only one person picks one in these pickums, they win so i'm fading everyone all right next one i'm gonna skip down on this other one because i want to be second to last because it's the powerhouse game of the week obviously so we're gonna go usc at oregon state usc minus six points on the road usc Liam. Sorry, USC by a lot. I think Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley, and I think they're just more talented. I I I think Oregon State's a great story. I just can't really. Um, I don't know. I've they've been so bad for so long, and I know that that has no bearing on this year. I just can't imagine Oregon State um, hanging around against USC this year. Yeah, I'm gonna take USC. I just think they have way too many freak athletes, and Oregon State just isn't quite yet back. I wanted to take the Beavers. I really did. And then I looked at USC, and they're ranked 7th. But it's only 6.5, so who do I really it's go six. with? Oh, it's 6? Ooh. That's tough. You know what? Yeah, just give me, give me USC. I'm going to join you guys on that one. I think Oregon State does keep this game close. I like Oregon State. If it was a little bit bigger spread, I'd take it. But minus 6, I think USC wins by a touchdown. All right, moving on to the ACC game on this pick'em. Clemson game. at Wake Forest. Clemson minus seven. Sam Hartman is back for Wake Forest, I believe. 
Cam wants it. Cam, go. Give me Wake. I like him. Give me Wake. They're winning this game. Love it. Yeah. Wake to win outright. Okay. Shout out Sam Hartman, by the Slug. way. Glad you're back. Uh, do do uh do we know what uniforms Clemson are wearing? No, we don't. Unfortunately. Hmm. I would say if they if they're going purple pants, ooh, that's I'm deadly. taking Clemson. <laughs> but if not, uh, can I can I defer to somebody else? I don't know. Unless they go one. orange, orange. Uh, they got to wear white on the road. Ooh, I'm so going, so, yeah, orange, white. I'm going Clemson. I I, I think their defense is too good. I think that uh, I don't know. I just. Easy Clemson. I don't. I don't even think it's going to be that close. To be honest with you, I put me down for Clemson as well. Wow. Mm. Y'all don't believe. All right, give me, I, give I, me, uh, give me Wake to cover. I like, I like Wake. Um, I don't really think Clemson's cover, that good. I don't think either. I don't know. Clemson's, Clemson's offense defense sucks. Clemson's but defense is good. their defense I, is elite. The though defense. <laughs> their defense is elite. All right, it is the Champions Classic, Duke at Kansas. Both undefeated. College game day should be in Lawrence, but it isn't. So we're going to talk about it. It's at Florida, Tennessee. Uh. So we're going to talk about it. Duke at Kansas. Let's start with me. Okay. Um, (laughs) I'm going to take Kansas. Give me the Jayhawks. I like like what Lance Leopold has got going there. Uh, I think Kansas wins and covers minus seven. Rock Chalk. I know a girl that I graduated high school with that plays softball there, so... These are the most wild reasoning on picks ever, but I love it. No, All but right, Kansas Slug. is still going to win no matter See, what. No, here's the thing. I really don't want to go Duke. I'm not going to lie. I am still a little bit salty about March Madness. I don't want to go Duke. Like at all. That's, uh, that's the last thing I want to do. But I know if I go Kansas, Liam's just going <laughs> to smile and fade everyone. So I'm going to take Duke and just see where he goes with smile, it. Smile and fade, boys. Smile, smile and fade. <laughs> Liam? You is that if I would have yeah. gone Kansas, I, I, are you a fan? Was going to. I actually have no idea. I think he definitely would have faded. I'm basketball, I'm smashing. I, I think Kansas wins by about. Se- this is a very good line. This is what Vegas. This is what Vegas. Good they what know. they do. Um, they know. I'll go. I gotta go Kansas. I gotta go Kansas just because. Uh, it's my second fade I'd, of everyone. The, the only thing that came into my head when I was trying to think of a reason was. Uh, after they beat Texas, that Applebee's commercial from that kid is wonderful. <laughs> wonderful so, marketing. So shout out to him. Shout out to Kansas. I'll go Kansas. All right. So lastly, it's the game of the week here, and we're gonna let Slug go first, and then we're going to turn off his mic so he doesn't yell sirens in when people make wrong picks. Uh, or if in you his turn, mind. if you turn my mic off, I will not be back on the show, <laughs> and you will be calling the football game by yourself on Saturday. Well, I, I won't turn your mic off, but don't kill our ears. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, it's it's easy. You guys um, missed it before the podcast. It was it was electric. entertaining. Uh, yeah, electric. M- Mel Tucker is yet to lose at home with fans, and that is actually a real reason. It is a real sad. So yeah, I, I am taking Michigan State. Ooh, I and I, I like plan on taking them every home game. Until Ohio State. they play Ohio State, <laughs> I like that so much. Oh, this, you, you got me. This, right, I'll, this I'll strategy is—it's there. Like if if they were playing in Minnesota, even I would make a siren noise at myself and take the Golden Gophers. But they're not. I, the deep will... end is going to be packed. It's going to be very loud there. The alumni band is going to be out on the field. 
And that always Bob fires. Gold. Yes. Shout out. During the game? Didn't he play yeah. trumpet? Oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, I don't you know remember the, he's going to be the feature last year. Um, but yeah. I will I will ride with you. I, yeah. And let the record state that I was peer pressured into picking uh, Michigan State over Washington yes, last was. week. Um, because me. I definitely was picking Washington By until they bullied committee. me. Yeah. But um, I am going to take Michigan State here because I think this is a must-win game for the Spartans. And I I think they show up. I think Minnesota's really good, but I think that it being in East Lansing is a big, big deal. Um, give me so give me Sparty. beautiful. Yeah, give me Sparty. 68. Sony. Beautiful. Yeah, we'll be sitting football. in our booth anyways. So, yeah. But give me Sparty. Let's go to Cam. Because the students are getting in 30 minutes early, it's Michigan State. Liam is so happy that we all did that so he can fade us. All right, Liam, tell us why you're fading. Uh, there's going to be three seconds left. Uh, Flex going to call a timeout. They're going to be at the 37 on the left hash, and Minnesota will kick a field goal to win by a three 55 points. 55-yard field goal? Woo, 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 woo. Yes. <laughs> there was the siren, everyone. That's why I was a going to turn off. We don't, have, we, don't have dro- we don't have drops, but I can make my own drops. <laughs> so <laughs> Minnesota, <laughs> Minnesota wins by three. And, yeah. It's retribution for Nebraska last how, year losing. How by is three. that a win for you? Because then you're just going to be a, a little grumpus all day. That's fair, bro. I'll that's be, the day after I'll my birthday, all dude. Week. Why are you trying to fade us, especially the day after no, no, my no, birthday? Listen, listen. That's be, not cool. I'll be grumpy all week until Wednesday evening. I'll walk my 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 little smiley face down here, and I'll just sit here and I'll just wait for you guys to type in the standings as you well, enti- tally up another win for me. And he's going to have a brand losses. new haircut. Wait until Tennessee oh, covers yeah. with that fade. Duke wins, Minnesota wins, and then right there, I mean, you're going to be first wins, and you're Wake. you're, you're going to be down three right away. And I'd be down three, and I don't. I still think that you he would even still be, be in first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, All we right. don't need to talk about it. <laughs> All right, everybody, it's been a fun episode once again. Here, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for staying with us all the way to this point. If you're still listening, you're a boss. Just know that you are the best person that is listening to this right now. And Sloak loves you, and that's why he didn't do the siren there. All right, everybody. We will catch you guys next week. You can tune in tomorrow if you're listening to this on Friday or whenever you're listening to it. Saturday, Michigan State, Minnesota. Mr. Sloak and I will be on the call from the press box at Spartan Stadium. And Sunday, Liam Jackson will be joining me, Zachary Sloak, on the Green and White Report 11-1 to with our producer, Matt Merrifield. Make sure to tune in on impact89fm.org backslash listen live or if you're in the East Lansing area at 88.9 FM. You can check out all of our stuff online at impact89fm.org or follow us on Twitter, WDBM Sports. For everybody here in the studios, this is the Green and White Report on Impact 89 FM. Just kidding. It's the Spartan Red Zone podcast on Impact 89 <laughs> FM. <laughs>